Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, you know, we are in John chapter 15 today, and, um, you know, today's message is going to look a little bit different. A lot of people come up to me oftentimes, and they'll tell me, they'll say, Pastor Charles, I, I read the Bible, I'm trying to read the Bible, but I have a problem, because even though I'm reading it, I, it doesn't make sense to me, or I can't seem to get anything out of it, I'm not sure what to do with this. And so I thought, you know, being that this is a little bit different of a weekend anyway, well, how about a little bit different of a message? So instead of me just preaching at you for 25 straight minutes, I want to teach you a Bible study method today that you can use in your own personal time with the Lord for the next few moments. And so I'm, I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a glimpse into my mind and just a warning because it's a little scary of a place up there, but bear with me as I walk through with you a, a tool that I hope you can use when you are studying Scripture on your own today. And so when you came in, you got this half sheet of paper and and it's got the Bible scripture on it and it's got some space for you if you want to jot some notes or you want to keep this to help you um, this week, uh, please do. But um, the first thing I do when I am studying scripture, the first thing is I always stop to pray every time. And so uh, I, just, I just will say a little prayer, maybe something like, like this with us today. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for being here with me now. Thank you for your presence. Please open my heart, open my mind to what you would have for me. Highlight, Lord, things that you would have me see and hear so that I may become more like Jesus, that I may grow closer to you today. I desire to hear from you, Lord. Amen. A simple prayer like that, and I promise you, automatically you'll be off on the right foot because the Lord will show up and he will reveal himself to you. So I always start with prayer. And then I go into my, my Bible study method. This is a simple method. It's... Um, It's not the only method, but it's just one that I like to use because it's simple and it's sweet and it's quick, and maybe it'll give you a tool to use. It is called SOAP method. This this SOAP method, it just simply stands for four letters here. The S stands for Scripture. This is... This is um, uh, today, John 15, we're only going to look at the first eight verses. That is about a good amount of verses for you to use. A lot of times we get hung up in, man, I just want to read a whole bunch, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through all these chapters and stuff, and that's fine if you're reading for fun. However, if you are studying, I recommend a smaller group of verses, because that'll help you to focus in. It'll help you to, uh, to, to really pick out what the Lord is trying to say to you. If, you. if you try to read too much, you get caught in the weeds and it's hard. And so I recommend keeping it simple and maybe about eight verses or so at most, the scripture. And then the O is your observation. This is just what do you see in this scripture? What jumps out to you as you read? Are there things that you kind of already know? What are you observing about what is being said? making some observations. That's the O. And then we hit the A, the application. This this is in what ways do I turn my observations that I've made into something that is meaningful to me? Meaning, is there something that I need to learn from this text? Is there an action 
that I need to take in my own life? What does this mean for me? You're asking some tough questions. And then we come to the, the last letter, which is P. This is prayer. I always close my time in prayer, often based on what I've just observed or what I am applying to my life. I will pray about those things. That is the SOAP method. So today, I want to walk you through John 15, kind of giving you an example of how I walk through this in my own time. Now, when we get to the scripture here, right at the beginning, I'm just telling you, typically when I'm studying, I will read through this passage of scripture three, four, five, six times over. Because every single time you read through this, the Lord is going to show you something different. And it's amazing if I've read it through and I read it through and I read it through and I get it into my heart, the different things that I can see. Sometimes I'll even read the same verses over and over for a week straight just because I want it to sink into my heart. Obviously today we can't read through it lots and lots of times and so we're just going to read through it once. But typically on my own I read through it more than once this small section of scripture. But here's what John 15, 1 through 8 says to us today. I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you... You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, as I read through that, I began making some observations. I began making some notes in my Bible. If you could see my Bible, you can see that I have words written, underlined, highlighted, arrows pointing. I, I, I'm not afraid um, to do that in, in my, my Bible. And so I look for certain things. I, I look for um, answering some questions, those good reporter questions, who, what, where, when, why questions. A lot of times when I'm reading, I look for repetition of words. If a word is repeated over and over, I circle it or I underline it because it's obviously something we need to pay attention to. I look for things that seem surprising to me or even things that maybe I, I'm interested in, I want to learn more about, I'll star or highlight. If there's something that's challenged me that I need to do more research on, I will star or highlight because I need to come back to that. Sometimes there are things that challenge my thinking. Sometimes there's words that we read that we don't know what they mean. So it's good to stop and find out what the word means. I will often circle and underline those things so I can come back to them. Those are making good observations. Now, there's a word of, of note. Your observations are going to look different than mine. And they're going to look different than yours and yours and yours. Everyone's going to look a little different because God is going to reveal different things 
to each of us as he sees fit. So they're not all going to look the same. That's okay. That's okay. But this morning, as we look through John 15, I'm going to give you a glimpse into my little world and show you how I processed through this. So take what you want and use it on your own. So here we go. Uh, the first observation I made when reading John 15 came from the very first verse. It says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Now, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know this is the seventh I am statement Jesus has made. I am the true grapevine, he said. Now, something jumped out at me, though, that's different about this I am statement. It's that word true. I underlined it because I thought, you know, if there is something that is true, then I bet the opposite must also be present. I wonder, is there a false vine? And perhaps if there is, then that seems scary to me. And so that's something I want to learn a little bit more about. So I starred that because I want to come back to that. I want to do a little more study on what the difference is between Jesus being the true grapevine and what is the false vine then. Just an observation. And then I moved on. Next verse. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I underline the word prunes, and there's a good reason I underline that, because I have some experience here. I have some knowledge here. Years ago, seems like a lifetime ago now, I went to Michigan State University for landscape and nursery management. What? I don't know. And um, it was in those classes that I learned a thing or two about pruning. So I've got, I even got my, my pruners with me today. I keep on my, my side here. And, um, and so when I prune, I'm always looking for three things. Three things. When I go up to a plant, the first thing I look for that needs to be pruned out is things that are dead. If it's dead, it gets cut out instantly. I don't even think about it, because if it's dead, it's not producing fruit. If it's dead, it's not contributing to the health of the plant. If it's dead, it's not doing any good. So I cut it out. Those are the first things I look for. The second thing I look for when I'm pruning are branches that are crossing, that are rubbing against each other. You know why I cut those out? Because when a branch rubs against another branch, it wears through the bark. When you wear a hole through the bark, it opens up the branch for, to be susceptible to disease. It opens it up to be susceptible to pests that can easily get in. It can damage the branch if it gets diseased. And so instantly I take out what is dead and I look for branches that are crossing, that are potentially diseased and could cause pests, and I remove them. I get them out of there. Then there's a third thing I look for when I'm pruning. I look for branches that are growing the wrong direction. And occasionally, you'll notice a branch that starts over here, it turns, and it'll grow through the center and out the other side. If it's doing that, it's not healthy for the plant. It crowds out the good growth. It not only crowds out the good growth, but it can often encourage healthy branches to begin growing the wrong direction. I want to get rid of it. If it's dead, if it's causing disease, or if it's growing the wrong direction, it's got to go. And it's got to go because I care about the overall health of the plant. Pruning is necessary 
and to ultimately produce more fruit and healthier flowers. Pruning produces new growth. Pruning, it helps the roots to grow deep so that the plant can be strong. Pruning, it, it will make sure that the fruit that grows is healthy and it'll produce even more fruit. And when the problematic branches are removed, you gotta get rid of them. I don't know, I always would tell my customers when I would do this, not to panic. Because when you first do this, the plant looks a little naked. It's thin. It doesn't look that great. And I would say, don't panic, relax. Because it takes some time for that new growth to fill in. And so that's hard to accept when you're a paying customer, but it's even harder to accept when it's in your life. Because when it's your life that's being pruned, it hurts sometimes. It's not easy, and quite honestly, it doesn't always look good at first, does it? But it takes some time for that new growth to fill in. Pruning encourages your root growth and and health, and this is tough to accept. And even though it's tough to accept, I, I... I found this quote that I love. It says this, God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to comfort. It's for our ultimate growth. It's to protect us. It's to produce more fruit in our lives. God is the gardener. He prunes for health. He prunes to increase fruit bearing. He does not prune to punish. He prunes out of love. He prunes out of commitment. He prunes to shape us into who he wants us to be, ultimately to look more like Jesus. I observed these things because I have experience with these things, so I wrote them down. And then I went on to make some more observations. Like the next verses, in the next six verses, I see the word remain repeated. Did you hear that being repeated over and over and over? Here's a tip. When a word is repeated once in Scripture, it's important. If it's repeated two or more times in Scripture, it's very important. If it's repeated over and over again, you better pay attention to what's going on because it's important. It's repeated seven times in these eight verses, and the word remain is repeated 40 times in John the book. It's clearly important we need to pay attention to this word. To which I thought, well, if it's important, then what's the opposite of remain? To go? To depart? To leave? Well, what's the danger here? Why does John exaggerate this point in his writing? Why did Jesus say this over and over and over again? And I wondered, you know, John probably is it has some personal experience with this. He walked with another disciple named Judas. He saw firsthand what happens when a disciple steps away and stops remaining. He saw the damage that caused. Clearly, he was passionate about it. So as he records Jesus speaking, he records this word over and over again. And why is it so exaggerated? Well, I think in verse 5, John gives us the reason. As Jesus is speaking, he said this, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Awesome. That's what I want. I want to be someone who produces much fruit. But then he ends by saying this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. A branch that becomes disconnected from the vine can do 
nothing. It loses its lifeline. All the nutrients flow up through the sap and into the branches to produce those fruit. When that lifeline becomes disconnected, it withers. It dies. And when we give our lives to following Jesus, when we make him the leader of our lives, we become connected to that lifeline. In fact, the Holy Spirit flows through us. It flows through us to give us life. The Holy Spirit flows through us to give us power, power to trust, power to share, power to tell others, power to endure, power to deny sin, power to please Him. Through the Holy Spirit, you and I have power. But when we become disconnected, we lose power. We lose it. And to which I think we can survive on our own for a little bit, but eventually we wither, we die. And then I started thinking, you know what? What about those people in this world that seem like they're doing good things, but they're not Jesus followers, they're not Christians, but they're still doing good things. They're still helping people. What about them? To which I thought, you know what? When we, truthfully, when we are doing things Apart from being connected, even when they're good things, it's not honoring to God. It's not. We, we, in fact, I was reminded of this verse, and so I, I wrote it down. In fact, I would do that. When God gives you other verses that go along with your observations, write them down. And he, and he gave me this one, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, that says, I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but if I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Meaning, you can do some good things in this life, but if they're done apart from being connected, guess what? All you're doing is making noise and chaos in God's ears. That's scary. Then I went on. Was the next thing I observed? Well, I jumped down to verse 7. It says, we, uh, excuse me, it says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And I thought, wow, this sounds like a genie in a bottle type situation. We can ask for anything we want and he will grant it. This is awesome. And in a sense, though, this is highlighting the need to pray. This is a call to prayer that I can ask for whatever I want, which is true. But I also know that God is not a genie in the bottle. I know there are some things that I can ask for that may not be for my good. There are things that may not be for the best. And so the key, it seems, from this chapter to asking and asking wisely and being sure of getting what I want is by remaining. That's the whole key. Because Jesus is telling me that, look, the closer that I am to him, the more I stay connected to him, the more I will be in tune with what he wants. The more I will be in tune, my desires will match his desires. And so when I'm praying, I'm praying much more for things that God wants. That, that, is, that is staying connected. It's super clear here that the Lord desires that each of us would grow fruit, the fruit that would reflect his character, and most notably the ability to love, just as you and I have been loved. 
man, I could make observations all day long about this. I know I'm just kind of skimming the surface and I'm flying through and maybe you've noticed some things that I didn't even highlight. That's great, but there's one last one before we move on that, I, that stopped me. And it came from the last verse, eight here. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. To which I thought, man, all of this pruning, all of this remaining, all of this asking, all of these things brings us to the pinnacle of Jesus' words, that this will bring great glory to my Father. And isn't that our goal? Isn't that our ultimate goal? That, that God would be glorified through my life. That is my goal, that when people see me, they see Jesus. That is my goal, the true vine. And, and so I ask myself this question. Is my life bringing glory to my heavenly Father? Which leads me to our A portion of our Bible study. We've read the passage, we've made some observations, and now we're going to apply this to our life. This is the application. And the application, this, I'm, I'm telling you, this is when I ask a lot of questions, and I start asking myself a lot of questions, and this is the hardest part of the study, because, because in this part, you have to get real, and you have to get honest, and you have to get honest with yourself. And this is where I really want to slow down to see what God might have for me and my life. So again, maybe you make a few different observations than I do. And guess what? You might have a few different applications for your life than I have because you're going through different experiences in your life than I am. So that's okay. It's not wrong. And so here's another glimpse into my scary thought process and I'll just quickly show you how I apply in these things to my life. You use what you would like. My first observation was that, that God was the true grapevine. Right? I observed that, which means there's false vines. And so I asked the question, what does this mean to me? What does it mean? If there's a false grapevine, then am I connecting to that? Then I think, yes, sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm connecting to those things like money or, or my job or relationships to seek power. And if so, that's false. It's not the true vine. I, and so I, I stopped for a moment and I prayed and I just pray that, Lord, would you show me those things in my life that I'm connecting to that are false so that they can be cut out. I want to depend on you, not those things. So I prayed. And then I looked at my observations and I went, well, I also observed that there was pruning to be done. And that pruning is, is, is necessary for the health of the plant. It's necessary for growth, but it's not always comfortable, but it's always for my good. And so I know I need to be pruned if I'm going to become more like Jesus. So I asked myself this question, what does this mean for me? In fact, I went on to ask this question, do I really believe it's for my good? I, I got to admit, sometimes this doesn't feel good. Do I really believe it's for my good? Because I got to admit, there's times when I've gone, God, why? Why is this happening? 
Why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this? Why am I going through this? God, this isn't fun. I don't like it. It's not good. But do I really believe it's for my good? Do I trust? Do I trust the gardener enough to allow him to shape me and trim me into who he wants me to be? To allow him to cut me and shape me as he sees fit? Do I trust him enough? And here's the real honest question that that led me to. Well, then is there something in my life right now that God is pruning or needs to be pruned? Then another verse came to my mind, so I wrote it down. It's Psalm 139. You probably heard this verse. Verses 23 to 24 states, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. Point out anything in me that offends you. I I read that and I thought, are there sins in my life right now that need to be addressed? Are there things in my life like a relationship that needs to be grown or a relationship that needs to be ended? Are there thoughts in my mind attitudes of my heart, motivations that need to be checked, I encourage you, when you ask yourself these questions, write them down. Write your answer down. Because when you write it down, you are acknowledging that this is true. Write it down so you can acknowledge it. And this is where you really want to spend some time with the Lord. Write these things down. And then I went on to my observations and I said, okay, I also saw that the word remain is important. Jesus emphasizes this word over and over. He emphasized that apart from him, I can do nothing. And so I knew this was important. So I I wanted to think about this word a little bit. And actually in my reading, I found that there's another word that means the same thing. It's interchangeable. It's the word abide. Abide, we don't use that word very often in our language. It's not something that comes natural to use. And so I wanted to find out more about this word abide. What does it mean? So, simple definition, look. I looked it up. This is what the word abide means. To accept or act in accordance with a decision or a recommendation. To accept or act in accordance with a decision or or a recommendation. Doesn't that go against everything that we are taught? I mean, come on, we're, we're in the, you know, 2023. We're in Western culture. We're Americans. I, I don't have to accept anything. I do what makes me happy. It's my right. Then you can't tell me what to do. And if I don't agree with you, I'm just going to leave. If you don't agree with me, you can leave. Isn't that kind of how we're taught this attitude of abiding goes against everything that, that, we, that we've known in our lives. But yet, spiritual growth, spiritual growth is about the recapturing of your thoughts and your desires and your motivations. And to do that depends on having a closeness with Jesus, our attachment to the vine. And Jesus invites us to attach ourselves to him. And so again, I wrestled with some questions here. I wrestled, what does this mean for me? Meaning, is there anything I'm trying to accomplish in my own strength right now? Because if you're like me, I'm really good at inviting God into my situation when it's too big for me to handle. When I'm out of control and I don't know what to do, well, then God can come in. But what he's talking about here is, no, no, no. We're inviting him into every area of our life, not just when we're in trouble. And I thought, man, 
Every breath that I take is taken because of him. I'm dependent on him in all things, all things, to which I then ask myself this question, am I staying connected to my lifeline or am I withering? This question became real to me just this past week. I tell you, you know, one day I was feeling a, a little edgy. My wife will confirm I was, I was, I was being a something that day. And, and, and I was going through my day and I was frustrated and I was getting angry and I couldn't figure out why. And I said, why in the world am I getting so aggravated today? And then I stopped and I thought, man, I've been so busy that it's, it's been a day or so since you've spent any time with the Lord. It's been a day or so since I spent any time in His Word. It's been a day or so since I really sat down to pray and speak and listen with Him. It's, been a, it's no wonder I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. I'm disconnected from my vine. I'm withering here, and I could feel it. I wonder if you could ever had those days where you could feel it too. You know, I, I, I think... Along with that, my other observation I made was to ask, right? We, we, we talked about the importance of, of asking. And we're instructed to ask, but then I go, so what do I, what do I ask for? And then I remembered this story that I read in the Bible, and honestly, I couldn't remember where it was from. And so I, I, I started searching for it on Google, and it, I found it. It was found in Matthew chapter 8. And it's the story of a man who was wanting to be healed. This is how it goes. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And that phrase, if you are willing, it stood out to me. Because you hear the abiding that is happening in that statement, the man, he brought his request to Jesus with open arms. He requested what he wanted. He prayed for what he wanted, and he was willing to embrace, and he was willing to accept whatever it was the Lord decided here. He, he came to Jesus with humility. He came to Jesus with trust. That is abiding, and those fruit can only grow in our lives when we remain, when we abide. And so, in that moment, I just stopped in my study, and I held my hands out with my palms up, and I, and I prayed, Lord, I want my desires to be your desires. Lord, I, I want to align with what you are aligned with. And I pray that my selfishness and that my self-promotion, Lord, would not get in the way. I prayed, palms up, hands out. That is to abide. Last thing that came to my mind as I was doing my observations was that word glorify. Right? This brings great glory to my Father. You know, all Christians are going to bear fruit. Sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. Depends on your connection to the vine. And I thought, why is this important? It's important because when people will know who Jesus is by his followers, by his disciples, his children, his people, based on the fruit, then as we bear fruit in our lives, we will reflect God's love. We will reflect his grace and will reflect his power into a world that is hurting and desperately in need of it. And 
And Jesus tells us, this will bring great glory to my Father. And isn't that what we want? But I had to ask these questions. I asked myself, when people see me, do they see Jesus? Ooh, I don't know. Or this question, am I looking more like Jesus today than I did yesterday? Is there growth in my life? I hope. What about this? Is my life a reflection of bringing glory to Charles or glory to God? This is where you have to spend some time. This is where you have to really think through and ponder these questions. I'm telling you what, that's why if you ever see me staring off into the distance, this is why. Because we have a lot of things to think about when we study through these things. This is just a quick snapshot that I'm giving you today. You may have your own observations and your own life applications to make. This is just an example. And so I want to give you some homework today to do. Your homework is this. We did the first eight verses together here this morning. I kind of walked through and showed you. This week, what if you try the next eight verses, 9 through 17, John chapter 15, 9 through 17, the next eight verses on your own, with the soap method. And in fact, I don't want to leave you on your own and say, good luck, hope you do well. No, 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 I, here's my email, Charles at the charles.thechapel.family. As you are working through these verses on your own, if you're writing some things down or you have some thoughts you want to process or you just want to bounce some ideas off of me, I encourage you, please, send me your thoughts and ideas. I would love, love, to, to look at them and, and go back and forth or whatever it is that could be helpful to you, I am here. So try those next verses on your own this week. But let's not forget about the last letter, right? The P of our soap method is prayer. This is where I take a moment to pray through what I just studied, what I just read, observed, and applied. I want to take it to the Lord. So always close my time in prayer. So let's close our time in prayer today. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you. This pruning is hard, Lord, but I know it's for my good. Lord, I thank you that um, when we remain in you, you give us such power. Lord, I see the danger of not abiding and remaining. Lord, protect us, please. May we lean into you, because, Lord, we desire to bring you glory with our lives. I will humbly apologize for those moments, Lord. I know I have not. So continue to work on me, Lord, shaping me into who you want me to be. Even when it hurts, Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. So I trust you. I depend on you, and I give you my life. It's in your name I pray and ask these things. Amen. So as you go today, Sonia and Oliver are going to share a song. So I, you know, take your time leaving if you would, but I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next weekend. So have a great afternoon.